This message is brought to you by Cedar Springs Church. For more information, please visit cedarspringschurchnm.org. Kids, if you are going to class, follow that guy. Well, good morning. The echo. Yes, it is wonderful to be back. Um, driving down the hill this morning, coming here, I looked and I saw the haze in the air, and I thought, it is so nice to be back where the haze is just good old-fashioned smoke and not humidity. <laughs> and uh, trust that I was thinking of you guys uh, the whole time that I was there. Um, I am exhausted, my brain is fried, but I hope you guys will be blessed. So let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, as we just sang about the sovereign power of your word and your will, I pray, Lord, that you would work both in our lives and in our hearts right now. Lord, we look to your word to seek your will, and, and in it I pray that you would show us the comfort and the hope of your sovereignty in our lives and the peace that we have in Jesus Christ no matter where you have or choose to lead us. So, Father, it is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. We are going to be in 1 Peter this morning. If you want to start heading there in your Bibles... And while you are, let's get right to it. How many of you are pleased with how things are going in our country right now? How many of you read the news with an anxious expectation that what you're going to read will be good news? And I don't mean that necessarily from the right or the left. I, I mean from either perspective. Where do you think our country is right now? And if you'd allow me to make it a little bit worse, what I would tell you is, is that there are many mainstream evangelical preachers that you would know if I told you who are buying into all this mess. Head to toe. The gospel no longer says that there is neither Greek nor Jew. The gospel says there is a difference. Mainstream guys. I was thinking about all this hostility and, and animosity that it's in our culture that seems to have been put into overdrive in this past year. And I want to make sure as we begin in 1 Peter that we understand something very important. What's going on is not just political. What's going on is not social or racial. What's going on in our culture 
All of the politics, the social justice, the racial distrust and hostility, it's all a facade. It's a veneer to cover up what's really going on. And what's really going on is a battle between the light and the dark. But we forget that sometimes, don't we? We forget that what we hear on the news is not just uh, what's going on in our culture, it's a report from the front lines of this battle. The light says Christ is king. And the darkness says, no, he's not. Politicians rule over you. The light says that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. And the darkness says, yes, there is. There is a difference. And the color of your skin determines who you are. In other words, much of the fatigue and the frustration and the hostility we feel on any given day over how things are in our country is because we're in the midst of a battle. The gates of hell are actively trying to overcome the light of the gospel. So let me ask you this question. How often do you feel like hell is winning? Or maybe a better question would be, how often do your, your actions and your, your, your attitude reflect who your heart feels is winning? Well, this morning we're going to begin our study of a letter that Peter wrote to some Christians who were struggling with some of these very same questions. We don't know exactly how they were brought to faith, but for a while things were great. They had discovered forgiveness and peace and, and the hope of the gospel, and they, they enjoyed it. But before long, that very faith that had brought them so much hope was now the same reason why they were being persecuted, why they were experiencing conflict with their culture. They were being excluded from the economy. They were being persecuted because they refused to worship other gods. So they began to ask, why are these things happening? Did we make a mistake? Is the God who we say we believe in really not who He said He was? Because it sure didn't feel like it most of the time for them. You ever feel that way? Like you're caught in the washing machine of life and you don't know how you ended up where you are, but you know for sure you don't want to be there. Do you ever wonder if God knows where you are? Or if He does, then why is He allowing all of these things to happen? Well, rest assured, God not only knows where you are, but He knows what you need. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to convince you that in the midst of this chaos, God knows what you need. He knows what you need. Look at verses 1 and 2 of 1 Peter. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, 
according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now the first thing I want you to see is that God knows what you need because He knows where you've been. He knows what you need because He knows where you've been. How many people could you say know that about you? How many people know where you've been? The depth of your failures, the depth of your sins, the depth of your injuries and your hurt. Who knows where you have been? I want you to notice that Peter begins this letter to these people by simply saying, Peter. And the reason I point that out to you is because that's not his name. He was, his parents named him Simon. But when he met Jesus, Jesus said, Hey, Simon, nice to meet you. I'm going to call you Peter, the rock. You will be strong, immovable, enduring. But was that who Peter was? Not at all. In those years that Peter was with Jesus, if he were to say, can you smell what the rock is cooking? You would have said, yeah. Smells a little like failure with a hint of arrogance. Peter scolded Jesus for saying he was going to die. When God the Father told Peter, James, and John to listen to Jesus, the first thing Peter did was talk and say what he thought would be the best thing to do. And, 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 and worst of all, when Jesus needed him the most, in a flurry of profanity and cowardice, Peter denied Christ three times. Yet, yet knowing all of that did not change Jesus' mind. He knew where Peter had been. In John chapter 4, Jesus runs into a Samaritan woman at a well and he asks her for a drink. And, and she says, why are you asking me for a drink? Now that's because Jews and Samaritans didn't talk to each other, much less a male Jew to a female Samaritan, but in the most Jesus way possible, he sideswipes this, this conversation by saying, well, I'm asking you for a drink because if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink because I'd give you living water. And she said, great, I'd love some. And he said, well, okay, go get your husband and I'll give some to both of you. And she said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, I know, you've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now, you're not married to. Jesus knew what this woman needed because he knew where she had been. And the very same is true for you this morning. Jesus knows exactly what you need because he knows where you have been. He knows every detail of how you got to where you are at this moment. Every failure, every sin, every hurt, and every hardship. He knows it all better than you do. Even if you don't believe in Him, Jesus knows what you need because He knows where you've been. Every failure, every moment of your life, Jesus knows about has been leading up to when you believe. Jesus knows where you've been, but, but not only does God know where you've been, God knows what you need because He knows where you're going. God knows what you need because He knows where you're going. Do you know where you're going? 
Well, actually, Grant, yes, I do. If you'll notice here on my vision board, and letter 3B says in 10 years I'm going to be dot, dot, dot. Well, let me just ask you this one, my best Columbo impression. Let me just ask you one question. Are you where you thought you would be 10 or 20, from 10 or 20 years ago? Look at first, ver verse 1. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Nobody. Nobody, including Peter, thought that was where he was headed. Yet here he stands. God knew what Peter needed to get him from Simon to Peter the apostle. He knew he needed failure to humble him. He knew he needed grace to soften him. He knew he needed hardship to temper him. God knew what Peter needed because he knew where he was going. And, and now the one who constantly went the wrong direction is now giving the church direction. The one who scolded Christ is now submitted to him. The one who denied Christ is the one proclaiming him. God knew what Peter needed because he knew where Peter was going. In one of the very first few dates that Shannon and I had together, she made something abundantly clear. Absolutely. She said, absolutely clear, Kim. <laughs> she said, I will not marry a country boy, and I will not marry a pastor. <laughs> Here we are. Besides the obvious, I love country music, so... You know, if you ever want something to happen, I might suggest you, you ask Shannon to say it won't happen, and then it will. <laughs> but God knew, what, God knew what Shannon was going to be, even if she didn't. And He knew what she needed. So let me ask you this. Are you okay with God knowing where you're going if He doesn't tell you? Are you okay with God not letting you in on His plan for your life? God had a plan for the woman at the well, and, and He knew what she needed because He knew where she had been. God had a plan for Peter, and God knew what Peter needed to get there. And having experienced God's plan, Peter wants to comfort and encourage and, and empower these brothers and sisters we're going to read about, as well as us this morning. God knows what you need because He knows where you've been and He knows where you're going. Therefore, third, God knows what you need because He knows where you are. He knows where you are. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe God knows where you are? Look at the second half of verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. Now let me help you unpack what Peter is saying so you can see how big it is. Eliminate all the names of those regions to follow Peter's train of thought. He calls them elect exiles exiles, and then he explains what that means with three prepositions. First, he says we are elect exiles according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, Peter is not saying that God simply knew where they were going to end up by chance because he just knows the future. 
That is not what Peter is saying. No, he's saying he chose them to believe and he ordained their exile. All the hostility, all the hardships, all the isolation, all of it is because that's where God wanted the people he chose to be. The same is true for you this morning. Before the beginning of time, God foreknew where he wanted you to be, just like Peter. He foreknew what you needed to experience. Look down the page just a little bit to verse 20 of chapter 1. So we can see how, how Peter uses this word foreknew. Peter's talking about the work of Christ, and he says in verse 20, He, that's Christ, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. So when God says he foreknew something, it doesn't just mean he knew how things were going to turn out. He didn't just happen to understand who Jesus was going to be because he knew the future. No, he knew exactly who Jesus was going to be because he knew exactly what the plan was. And it was his plan. God knows what's going to happen because it is his plan from before the foundations of the world, even if it has not yet been revealed. And where these people were and where you and I are this morning is exactly where God foreknew we would be because he ordained it from before the foundations of the earth. You have been elected, chosen by God to be his sons and daughters. And he foreknew, he ordained that his sons and daughters would be exiles in a foreign land. Now don't just let that slip past you. God knows where you are right now. He knows what you are experiencing because that's exactly where he planned for you to be before the foundations of the world. And if that's where he ordained you to be, then he knows what you need. Next, Peter says we are elect exiles in the sanctification of the Holy Spirit according to the foreknowledge of God, and in the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? Well, the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's the work the Spirit is performing in you to transform you into a better image of Christ. That's all the sanctification is. So when Peter says that we are elect exiles in the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, he means this. Now, listen. He means the increasing tension, the hostility between us and this world is not because the world is changing, but because you are. Your status as an elect exile is because the Holy Spirit is sanctifying you. Let that sink in. The hardships and the suffering and the conflict that seems to be growing between us and this culture is not because our culture is changing into something it wasn't. No, our culture is just taking off the mask. It's because you and I are being transformed by the Holy Spirit. The frustration is because the Holy Spirit is making it clear that this is not our home. The conflict is growing because the Holy Spirit is making your light brighter in the darkness. 
your disgust for the things of this culture is growing because the Holy Spirit is growing in you a desire for things above. Therefore, far from being hopeless, if this frustration is because my desire is, is, is to go home, is growing, because that desire is growing, then Peter is saying what a beautiful frustration this is. If this conflict is because my light is growing brighter in this world, then then let's get it on. God knows where you are because His Spirit is creating the separation between you and the world. We are exiles because God is transforming His elect into who He wants them to be through the work of the Holy Spirit. And who is it that God wants you to be? Why are we becoming more and more separated from the world? We are exiles according to the foreknowledge of God in the sanctification of the Spirit. Why? For obedience to Christ. God knows what you need because He knows where you've been and where you're going. And where He has planned on you going from before the foundations of the earth is Christ. God knows that what you need to become like Christ is to be right where He has you. God knows that what you need to become like Christ is to be right where He has you. Flip just a few pages to your left to Hebrews chapter 2. The writer of Hebrews is explaining the, the deity of Christ, that everything is in subjection to Him, And he says, even if we don't see it. In Hebrews chapter 2, in the second half of verse 8, the writer says, Now in putting everything in subjection to him, that's Christ, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So, He's saying, everything has been put in subjection to Christ, even if we don't see it yet. Even if the only Jesus that we really see is the crucified Jesus. And he says that that Jesus suffered uh, death, there in in the second half of verse 9, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Why? Verse 10, for it was fitting that he, that's God, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus should be made perfect through suffering. What in the world does that mean? Was, was, how can Jesus be made perfect, much less through suffering? Was he not already perfect? Of course he was. We know that. That's obvious. Of course, Jesus was already perfect. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that Jesus was shown to be perfect through his suffering. It's it's his perfection was revealed through his suffering. Jesus isn't some savior that couldn't handle a little suffering. His perfection is a tested perfection. His suffering revealed what kind of Savior He is. Even though the darkness of this world would throw everything it had at Him, 
Jesus remained faithful to his mission to bring many sons and daughters to salvation. His suffering revealed that he is a mighty Savior who could bear the weight of the world's sin on his shoulders and remain righteous. Now turn back to 1 Peter chapter 3. And let's see if that can answer any questions for us. 1 Peter chapter 3. In verse 17, Peter has just finished explaining that, that, that we're going to suffer, even if we're righteous. He says in verse 17 of chapter 3, he says, For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Verse 18, why? Because Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to glory. Now, look back to chapter 2, verse 21. Peter has just been calling us to different kinds of submission in this world, even if it's to unrighteous people. And he says in verse 21, you're called to this submission. He says, for to this you have been called. Why? Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his footsteps. So Peter is saying that Christ left us an example by his suffering. And, 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 and if Christ's suffering is what proved who he was, then what does that mean for you and I? Now, let me just be clear. Our suffering is not going to save anyone, including us. That's not what Peter is saying. Turn back to, to 1 Peter chapter 1. Beginning in verse 3, Peter is going to describe our salvation, how beautiful it is, how glorious it is. And then he says in verse 6, he says, In this you rejoice, and we'll look at this deeper next week, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? So that, even though, he says, they're more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our faith is a tested faith. Who we are is a, is a tested who we are. Brothers and sisters, Peter wants you to know this morning that where you are isn't some kind of cosmic accident. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's, it's, it's a divine plan of the Trinitarian Godhead. If you look back at verse 1 and 2, it's a divine plan orchestrated by God the Father. It's worked in you by the Holy Spirit to grow you into a tested picture of Christ the Son. Listen to this. God knows what you need is to be exactly where you are. That's what He knows you need. God knows that what we need to be reminded, that what He's done in our lives through Christ isn't some trivial thing. It can stand the test of time. It can stand in the midst of hostility. Who Christ is, who we are being made to be through the power of the Holy Spirit, can endure this kind of garbage in our culture. And that's being revealed. 
Peter wants us to be encouraged. Listen, you don't even know how powerful Christ is in your life. Let me show you persecution, suffering, hostility, and you still come through it. God knows that what you need is to know that in the same way that Christ's suffering revealed who he was, so your suffering is revealing who God is making you to be through the work of the Holy Spirit. God has elected you, chosen you to be exiles, and he is faithful to begin what he has started. So he is setting the world against us to reveal who we are in Christ, to reveal who he is making us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get to the details of what this looks like over the coming weeks. But I want you to walk away with this this morning. Take hope, brothers and sisters. God knows what you need. Hell is not winning the battle. The battle is only serving to reveal the true sons and daughters of God. All the conflict, all the hostility, all the hardship, all the opposition, all the discomfort that you may face on any given day, God knows what you need to become more like Christ is to be exactly where He has ordained you to be. Therefore, just as Peter concluded his greeting, I will do the same. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful, wonderful gift we have in your word that in just a few short sentences you can describe to us the magnificence of your sovereignty, the power of your Holy Spirit, the work you've done for us in Jesus Christ. It is amazing to me, Lord, that you can comfort us by just reminding us that you know what's going on that you are in control of where we are, and that you know what we need. So, Father, it is in that we rest, that you know where we are going. And I pray, Father, that you would soften and grow our hearts to seek to do your will right here and right now and grow. Allow ourselves to be revealed as your sons and daughters and to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is in His name that I pray. Amen.